Listen up, world. This is the last blast from Low Tech World Headquarters. And believe this, we're going out with a bang, baby. So get your VCRs ready, because we got what you need. On today's episode, we have a breakdown of Johnny Mnemonic. Uh, we'll give our general thoughts up top, spoiler free, and we'll follow with our world famous segments. Every time <laughs> you every time you say world famous, I laugh oh, more. Yeah. It just it's like the bit gets funnier and funnier <laughs> because we constantly change <laughs> every week. I, I was saying because we're, we're unknown, but I didn't even think about that. Like the bits are always changing. Oh my god! It's con- we constantly are editing it every week, and then it's fucking that world famous segment. <laughs> Leave me alone, Akira. All right, McGee. Uh, Keanu. Real simple here. Uh, good or bad actor? Where do you fall? He's interesting. He's always interesting, and I think. If you're a director, sculpt, you know, using an actor as a, as, as, you know, a performance that you're sculpting into your movie, uh, you hope for somebody interesting, at least. Uh, if, if they can't be perfect, then at least be interesting. Uh, I like that. I, I feel like he, I, I heard him, I've heard of him um, described as a, as a vessel. Like he's an excellent, you know, canvas to sort of paint some of these worlds on that if the worlds are so intricate and wild like maybe you dial down the tone on on the actors a little bit more so you can appreciate what's going on here um yeah maybe it's i it's funny i do think uh hearing some of his stuff uh like you know behind the scenes stuff for this movie and even his performance in this movie i think is like unfairly uh criticized because he's he's like making very specific choices um and he's like trying to do what's right for the character it, he's making weird choices for sure um mm. i think people tr- figure out how to use him more later in his career that was one of the reasons not it's kind of like the westbrook of uh westbrook <laughs> of acting sort Clippers of pick him up a little bit <laughs> he starts he starts making cards to take, uh, care of the team <laughs> yeah, <all right. laughs> Uh, Johnny Mnemonic next. <laughs> All right, McGee. Top three, top three Keanu performances or films that we love are three KKKs. <laughs> Where you at? Would it be Jesus Christ? <laughs> <laughs> Where you at? Would it be your top three? I, I top three Keanu's is is just like I look scrolling through his IMDb is like yeah you know he's he's been in some movies that I like I I mean obviously Matrix is it, it, like you know mm. as a as a trilogy as a friend I guess quadrilogy I don't I don't I don't acknowledge that. <laughs> but uh, yeah okay I'm sorry that's so uh... yeah I mean obviously those movies are huge if, and rightfully so um I you know Keanu how do you feel about Keanu in in the Matrix uh love them and i may just spoil my top three right off top since we're having a similar issue uh i went matrix one matrix reloaded two matrix revolutions three <laughs> no skinner I, I i love skinner darkly i i love i think he's uh that's like a fun you know kind of sleeper hit not hit but like sleeper movie okay where he's, uh, he's doing I- it He's used well there because he's, you okay. know, he's he's doing an interesting thing, but it, but it's like such a weird heightened reality um, right. that it's a good use of like how 
off kilter he is. Right. Was that your number three, Scanner Darkly? Literally, that's like the movie I wrote down, and then I was I had two and three blank, and I would just like you didn't even put. Oh, I, I can see you having like two, but you don't even put Neo on there. Come uh, but on. no, I, I mean no. That was the point is that I got I wrote down Scanner Darkly, and I was like I don't know fucking Matrix, duh, and then something else. I guess I don't know. Like you know, it just I, I feel the same way. Yeah, we we have the same issue. Looking through IMDb, I was, I was like I like a lot of the franchises. Obviously, um, the Matrix, um, John Wick, uh, Speed. Um, I don't know if you want to call that a franchise to an extent. I mean, there were a couple, but, you know, so speed. I mean, he's only in the one, uh, right? Right, right. That's the so, only one that uh, matters. Uh, hardball, you know, I've, I've always been a fan. Um, uh, like, Devil's Advocate isn't even just him. It's just, like, Pacino and how funny that he is throughout that film. So <laughs> It's, they're, it's they're, Pacino, like, full cocaine out. Like, right. it's yeah. when Pacino is more cocaine than man in that movie. And it's just more, <laughs> that's, that's why it's fun to watch that movie. And, like... And that's another sixty forty cocaine man. (laughs) (laughs) Like Uh, seriously, and but like it's so funny because that is another brilliant use of Keanu. Because like, who do you put next to a pile of cocaine? (laughs) Someone pale and white. Yeah, you just have to something that's just unmoving. Because if somebody reacts like a normal human being to Al Pacino in that movie, like it's (laughs) you'd be absolutely taken out of the movie. You need somebody to be like otherworldly with him and you know for it to the reality of the movie to to be consistent uh i definitely yeah so he, he like you said he's an interesting actor he's a very adventurous actor that's the other thing too just seeing the scope of what he'll do and where he'll put himself and, and that's going to kind of lead us into our film here he's willing to take chances and I, and I think that's what really solidifies him as um an, an incredible oh, this would be my number one movie i'm sorry this would be my number oh, one is that movie right? My, this is. I think this is my favorite Keanu oh, performance. Yes, wow, <laughs> we're getting the weeds there. <laughs> but okay, uh, I, I, um, I. Oof, now I've kind of lost my train. <laughs> I'm kind of digesting that. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling we are not going to agree about like literally anything on this movie except for like our like base uh, assessment of it. Oh, that's what I feel like makes Keanu uh, an incredible collaborator. And, and like you said, we may be on opposite ends of the spectrum of, of um, the skill level, particularly in this film. But he's his commitment to the bit and his commitment to the reality. And, yeah, and, and yeah, yeah. we'll get into some of the uh, behind the scenes um, um, stories, uh, what he was bringing to the role. He's, he's definitely open to whatever. And I feel like that lack of vanity and, and that willingness to um, to engage with some of these sillier concepts or these outlandish concepts that, that uh, you know, like someone like maybe Will Smith looks at the the script for the Matrix and is like I don't know what the hell you guys are talking about yeah. or what you guys are going to do and he looks at it and he's just like oh okay cool like <laughs> let's give it a shot like you know I mean, yeah and that's not, kind of the not di- like you're not gonna- like not even just accepting some of the more outlandish things but like meeting them on their level and like following yes. them yes. through and, then, and, and, and trying to their to logical think- end exactly he's like thinking yes. through like okay if. If that's the reality of what I'm given, then like, mm-hmm. what are choices for my character that you know would make sense in that situation, or like, you yeah, know, absolutely. how how does yeah, it, it, he he really commits. He does it like like exactly like you said. He seems like a really good uh, artistic collaborator, like somebody to have fun with. On certainly, so, it, so yeah, be, uh, we we want to. We're both going to meet on that equal ground right here at the yeah. start because I feel like it may be a little uh, uh, topsy turvy. Get into some of our criticisms, but. 
let, let's uh, we can both agree there that it, awesome collaborator and dedicated to um, what he's doing here. So welcome to Make Me Watch. We're a couple of fail filmmakers, but forever students of cinema on an eternal quest to watch more movies. I'm your host, Eric Elliott, and I'm joined by my co-host. He's a former zealot turned assassin turned podcaster. Sean <laughs> McGee, how you doing, brother? Former? No. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> on today's episode, we have a breakdown of Johnny Mnemonic. Uh, we'll give our general thoughts up top, spoiler free. And we'll follow with our world-famous segments, getting into the weeds of the film, of the plot, performance, and our favorite behind-the-scenes stories. We'll wrap up at the end with what I'm making Sean watch next week. Without further ado, let's get into our main review of 1995's Johnny Mnemonic. The year is 2021. It is no longer safe to transmit information. Phones, computers, and satellites are all vulnerable. But there is a solution. Your storage capacity? I can carry nearly 80 gigs of data in my head. Input the data into the brain of a human courier, like Johnny Mnemonic. Hit me. How do you fit all that in your head anyway? I had to dump a chunk of long-term memory. You had to dump a chunk of what? My childhood. What are you doing? Making a long-distance phone call. I got the goods, Ralphie. Now I just want to get them out of my head. Now, in a future... We locked on him. ...where those who control the information control the world. I've been charged with recovering the head of the mnemonic courier. Everyone wants what is stored in Johnny's head. Double cheese anchovies? Charlie! Are you waiting for me, Ralphie? Time is running out. I'm a dead man if I don't get this out of my head. If I can get it out. How? A cranial drill and a pair of forceps. For the future's most wanted fugitive, Keanu Reeves. You can't shoot me. Not in the head. Johnny Mnemonic. All right, so that was from the trailer of 1995's Johnny Mnemonic. Uh, this was written by William Gibson, and this is based on his 1981 short story. Photographed by Francois Protat, who uh, shot Weekend at Bernie's. I don't know if you caught that. And um, <laughs> yeah. starring uh, Keanu Reeves as the titular Johnny. Uh, Dinah Meyer as Jane. Uh, Dennis Akiyama as a Sinji and... Uh, West Coast legend, Ice-T is J-Bone, West, 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 West. So that was always fun to see. Uh, Sean, this is the pick that you uh, selected for this week. Why did you make me watch this? Uh, because I knew there was no way in hell that you were going to watch this unless I uh, put it on. <laughs> uh, but also, I, I think that this is unfairly, uh, has a reputation as a bad movie, and I, I want to write this injustice uh, in the world mm. because I, I think that uh that there there's uh it had a lot the cards stacked against it uh and but i think that i i do i think that this film has to have a place in history uh in order to understand like cyberpunk as a genre uh and just just the people that worked on it and it's just yeah it's just a fucking it's a solid watch too but which uh leads me to uh this is your first time watching this movie right uh, what, yes. what was your what was your immediate reaction? I want to put it to you like this: Have you ever had overseasoned food, McGee? Like, um, <laughs> where all the ingredients are present and accounted for? You know, <laughs> the recipe seems right. You you maybe improvise a spice or two. Maybe you're all out of Carl Weathers, so you settle for a Delph Lundgren, <laughs> that kind of thing. 
Um, you think you're doing your thing, you're cooking, you know, the vegetables may not be farm fresh and they're a little wooden. <laughs> Maybe the delivery is a, a bit piss poor. Uh, the stove has burned an entire monologue and, and you go to the, you go to plate, you go to plate this food and, and the kitchen won't let you use the black and white china <laughs> that you so desperately want. Uh, you hope it gets hope that all the effort and the time commitment was worth it. And, and you go for a taste test and it's, um, it's just a little, little overseasoned, <laughs> a little, a little too much. And not all, all the ingredients aren't working in harmony. There's, there's a little too much Scott Bonnet and cumin in there <laughs> that you, that you, it's really overpowering the meat. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like that's that's accurate to my, you know, reception of this film. Where it's there's ingredients there that I like, but it, it's they don't all work in harmony, and it's it's kind of, uh. At the end, it was a little inert, but the value of seeing this film, uh, in my opinion, is the comparison with something that is truly extraordinary. So, um, uh, I have I have uh, love the Coen Brothers. We're, we're both big Coen Brothers friend fans. Uh, I've read a lot of Coen Brothers scripts over my time. One of my favorite Coen Brothers uh, scripts is not even a film that they uh, directed. Um, but that they just wrote, it was called The Naked Man, uh, and it came out in 99, and it was starring Michael Rappaport. Uh, now, when you read the script of The Naked Man, and it's incredible, well, not, I shouldn't say incredible, very fun, odd, absurd Coen Brothers story, you know what I mean? Odd characters, funny scenarios, blah, blah, blah. It's a chiropractor that's a, that's a, it's a wrestler as well. Um, when you see the execution, and the uh, film was directed by J. Todd Anderson, who is the Coen Brothers storyboard artist, Okay. Uh, you see the difference in 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 like what truly gifted visual artists and storytellers are able to do versus you can give them the same you can give them a Coen Brothers script it, it, yeah. he's gonna it's not gonna be the same thing so I feel like watching this in comparison to the Matrix you really start to see where it, it's valuable as a creative and valuable as a filmmaker I feel like to see where things kind of fall short a little bit or where ideas may have been derived from. And I'm not saying this is the the start of, of everything William Gibson, obviously you're more familiar with than I am, but it's a big proponent for the a cyberpunk aesthetic and, and, and vibe and tone. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously there are years and years of things before him that led up to that point and, and years and years and things after him that, that have uh, sort of created that vibe. But to see the genesis of that or maybe the mainstream genesis of that and then how the Wachowski sort of spun that and, and took certain elements of that, it's valuable as a creator to see, like, what can I learn um, or or what wasn't necessarily um, – or what what maybe this film did that was even a little stronger that I, that I could take for, for my next project. So um, that, that was a value I felt like in, in watching this film. I did like um, – th- there are bits that I absolutely – was just like yes <laughs> yes and when new when we get into the spoilers of this film uh um, yeah there's there's something that shows up at the end that i could not even have ever predicted <laughs> that would have happened and it's absolutely perfect and absolutely funny as hell and i, I love yeah. every second of it so um there, there are things like that that it's worth seeing i i, I do want to just this is a bit of a caveat, but in all fairness, to give uh, Robert Longo some credit, I know this wasn't. This was probably some of the worst circumstances to have a directorial debut and, and, yeah. and, and create a film under. So, you know, you know, the film was taken from him. It, it was cut without him. It, it wasn't. You know, he was. Uh, uh, certain actors were foisted upon him. Didn't necessarily get to. And I understand as a first time directorial debut, those are going to be some of the restrictions you're under. Um, the did, Matrix did, isn't the Wachowskis' first film. They they had a film, yeah. you know, before that bound to kind of prove their their worth. So they were given a did little. Did you see the um, whole the whole box office drama stuff that went around with 
part of the lead up to this movie and how it how it swelled up. Uh, did no, you catch I didn't, any please. of that? No, no, please. So basically, Keanu was signed on to this movie before. Speed. Oh, you mean the Sony like Speed becoming a pop? Oh, okay, I thought you meant the, the, their then, po- like then, Speed box office influencing greenlighting this film. But but then also uh, on but so and that, that happens on top mm-hmm. of that. They, so the studio looks at their slate of films and says, "Okay, this oh, other movie turning that's into a blockbuster. Out, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, this yeah. other movie that's coming yeah. out in the summer is kind of turning out mm-hmm. to be a shit show. Let's yeah. let's just postpone that shit show and slot in this Keanu Reeves movie that we have uh, already on the docket, and just throw more money at it and and put our get our hands in the pie and shit." So it went from a movie that they didn't really care about and they were going to let, you know, a weird artist make a weird movie for a small amount of money. And they were like, no, let's throw a little bit more money at you and uh, Dolph Lundgren and <laughs> whatever, whatever. And and really like zhuzh up this thing and make it a summer hit. Right. And it's like, that's not that's not the movie they were trying to make. That's not, you know, right. that's not the movie so that it this was ever going to be. Uh, so so it, it's, it's entirely yeah. unfair to, to say that, oh, this was the exact thing he wanted to do and it's a piece of shit and you're a terrible filmmaker because it wasn't. He he was under terrible fucking constraints to to try to make something. But I I think the testament and what I did, this is an original thought, it's something I I was reading as we were doing the research of this film. Um, I forget the critic's name. I apologize. I'm not going to be able to quote him here. But essentially the sentiment that he said was, it's a testament to Longo's creative quirkiness or genius, if you want to call it that, that the elements that he was able to instill in this film are present and, and they're still weird and off kilter a little bit. And you can yeah. kind of still see a little bit of his vision. So the, the, uh, the strength of his, uh, of, of not only, um, uh, Longo, but you know, his, his creative team to kind of get what they could in there, totally. you know, kudos to them. So, cause this isn't an easy thing to do at all. So, um, it, again, it's not a film that I particularly, uh, it's deeply flawed in my opinion, but there yeah. were definitely things that I liked about it. So, I, uh, yeah, I think, I think it's a, I, I I'm sorry, I, I totally agree. Yeah, please, it's a deeply please. flawed film. I think it it sets the tone for a lot of movies in this genre that come after it, and even not even just movies. I mean, like this is literally the the plot of like the newest cyberpunk game is like eighty percent of this. Oh, is it really? Yeah, <laughs> like like it's Keanu, like, Keanu knows his bread and butter. Yeah, and like the, it, it, it's just, uh, but but William Gibson the the you know, guy who wrote the original short story, then he works on the screenplay for this movie. He's like one of the fathers of the genre. Um, like Neuromancer is his novel um, that came out in 1984. Uh, the, his Johnny Mnemonic short story he he wrote earlier, but themes from Neuromancer he kind of works into the script of this. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, like I think he's the first person to come up with the term like cyberspace. Uh, oh, and he, like, you know, he's like ta- he imagines like the internet is this like weird VR thing like you see in mm-hmm. this movie, and mm-hmm. he he talks about being on the set of this movie and this being this being the first time that he had seen mm-hmm. that vision enacted. Uh, that like idea that he had had in his novels in the eighties, like this was the yeah. first movie that put that in in picture, and then you know, so it it is interesting. It is you know, it, it looks fucking awful, especially the the cyberspace like CGI stuff. Like looks terrible. It's dated. This, yeah, it's, it's, dated it's very dated, but it, it it becomes dated in a way that is like now come full circle, where like people chase that aesthetic 
that specifically dated VR cyberspace mm-hmm. look is now a hallmark of like cyberpunk as a genre, uh, mm-hmm. and okay. in a large part because of this movie and because of the way it's depicted here. Uh, so I, I, it's it's like interesting little things like that that I think are like one of the reasons I wanted to make you watch this movie. Oh yeah, uh, what format did you catch this movie in, McGee? They're, they they did a black and white re-release of this movie for the 25th anniversary, which I was excited to catch. It was one of the reasons I wanted to pick this movie, because I really just wanted to watch uh, an excuse to uh, buy that and, and watch it. Uh, and my... My my physical media player is on its last legs, and I saw I read online. I was like, oh, if you buy the 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 iTunes, the Apple TV version or whatever, then the the black and whites is in the extras. But I had a god awful time getting it to work. It, it was just a hell of a time. I literally just had to end up plugging my my laptop like HDMI into the the TV to get. It, it was the only way to work. Um, it's fucking digital media sucks ass. There's a there's a physical uh copy. Did you get the Did you get the physical copy? I didn't. No, I watched it the same. I, I had an iTunes um, copy of it. Uh, I, I'm curious though. At, after going through all that effort, did you feel like the black and white version was um, was it any more of a different so experience? Or did I felt you... like it was so good. Yeah. The black and white. Did you did you watch the black and white one as well? I did. Yes, yeah. so I've seen it twice. I watched the color and I watched the black and white this week. Um, I thought the there black are certain and white sequences so that I think. Elevated. Yeah, there, there are definitely certain scenes that I feel like work a lot better in in, in black and white, but but also feel like there are certain things that work better for me in color. Um, really? They didn't in, in black, like not everything worked for me in black and white. There are certain I don't I don't obviously they're not shooting for like for those who are, are uh, not in the know, shooting black and white you do have to light and, and and dress differently than you would normally if you were, were color. It, it's more about texture and tone in black and white than it would be about color, that uh, having mm-hmm. that element to it. So mm-hmm. I feel like certain sequences, they were shooting for color, they weren't necessarily attempting to shoot for black and white. So some of, some of the stuff gets lost in, in the um, black and white transfer, like the bank of TV. Oh, um, you know what? I will say that for spoilers, but there are certain sequences uh, let's, at let's the end do, that kind of get lost in I, darkness. I, honestly, like spoilers from here on out because i just want to hear you answer this question i don't know when other one else we're about to go to throw to the break for spoilers anyway so like right uh I, i'm curious what what parts didn't work for you in black and white okay so yeah like like sean Manson, we're going spoilers here so uh the bank of the tv sequence at the end um doesn't work for me in in, in black and white it, it feels really muddy uh and certain shots of him looking up and seeing the pharmacon um Ghost in the Machine uh, sequences mm. just just don't really look all that well. A lot of the Dol- Dolph Lundgren in his um in his room or in his uh, whatever layer uh, the church layer yeah. stuff felt re- felt really muddy to me. Um, I like I thought I would have appreciated more of the um, what he brought up in the BTS of him on the on top of the world. James Cagney, I'm on top of the world, ma. Like that that, that okay. sequence of me screaming for the. For the, um, I thought it looked good. I, the it, the it, the I want my room service uh, monologue just wasn't in love. The background is really it, it, it flattened the image in a way yeah. that that didn't feel as flat in color. You know, because you can kind of see a little bit more of the 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 um the, those those uh I think there are cars or whatever that junk there's was like in the one back. So flaming we, car, and then it's yeah, there's just yeah, like yeah, that and it, it yeah. just doesn't feel as it doesn't feel like there is is strong like there, there there's much um depth that it did. I disagree, like it but I little, I understand. Uh, so yes, certain things didn't necessarily work for me, and, and that didn't translate for me in the black and white. But it was um, I 
like you said, there were certain sequences that definitely felt a little bit more the noirish grounded mm-hmm. take that he wanted to go for. Uh, felt a little stronger in that. So, oh, I thought yeah. even like the the some of the tech stuff looked so cool. Like, uh, we're already in spoilers, whatever. But the uh, the mono wire weapon that he had looked so. Cool. Is that the one? Is that the uh, the fingernail? Um, yeah the the wire uh, laser the laser wire, wire that weapon it that he had. color. You like it better in color? Important. Yeah, oh, I think I red was important. It, Red's like, important element it for that weapon. so hot, like a lightsaber in the black and white looked, I thought, yeah. looked, like really striking and cool. I think nice. I saw a comment. I wish I could take credit for this, but I won't. Uh, but I, I saw a comment online where somebody was saying uh, that the, like, the VR computer sections mm-hmm. uh, should have been in color. And then any of the oh. monitors... Uh, if okay. any of the monitors in the real world, like Schindler's List style, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. would like be in color too, so it was like the VR oh. world like bleeding into the real world, uh, that would have been fucking sick. Uh, and so, keep everything else in black and white, correctly. Like, yeah, so like every yeah, yeah. all of the like, like you know that. meat space stuff would be in black oh. and white, but all right. of the computer monitors would be in color. Yeah. Uh, and then okay. any other t- anytime he does like into the computer world, then that's in color too. That'd be that'd be cool. And then the, the you know the ghost in the machine face uh, uh, would also be in color in that case, and then that would solve some of your problems with the oh, yeah. the scenes that didn't work for you. Uh, let's throw it to a break, huh? In spite of all his imperfections, I'm a fan of man. I'm a humanist. Maybe the last humanist. All right, Maggie, we're in our focus group segment where we're just going to start here. The scene you'd show someone to get them to watch. What scene did you pick? Uh, it's the scene I called Upload Interrupted. Mm. Uh, the initial attack when uh, when Johnny is getting the, the, the upload. I think that, that's got your like fun, you know, the, the like anime playing in the background. and You literally you know, taking every word out of, of my characters. mouth, dude. <laughs> we're yeah. on the exact same page. Yeah. Like yeah. 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 What, what and that was the reason I, why. That, that was some of the reasons. Was like the, and I, yeah. I feel like the most successful execution of the, of what the conceit is here of, of him, um, you know, merging, uh, um, an organic body with 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 technology and him kind of going into the system and and seeing how that's like yeah. cross cut with the anime and and the power the energy the kineticism that that happens as that's happening. Um, I feel like and, you know the spinning like I love the spinning micro disc on, on the on the table yeah. as that's happening. Um, the this was probably this is. It's his best scene, but it also is then what causes a lot of issues for me moving forward. Because I feel like he shot his low pretty early uh, with, with this sequence. And uh, yeah, things, when we return to this same visual conceit, it gets weaker every time for me. And I'll, I'll get into that a little later. But yeah, that's, yeah so that's yeah, as we, um, but we're synergy right here at the top. Scene we show somebody. Is that, is that, I, I, what did you call it too? Because I love the name. Uh, upload interrupted. Fuck yeah! I, well, I, what's the, what's the code? What's the four o? Is it four o two or like four o four? Oh, four o four. Yeah, yeah that, that, <laughs> that'd be a little bit anachronistic. I don't think anybody in ninety five would have known what that meant. But. Oh yeah, huh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. Uh, so what we, we you've you've mentioned it a, a little bit, but what I'm curious, uh, what what else wasn't working for you? Yeah, here? so like just you know, 
uh, wanted to start. Love that scene. Thought it was, you know, the, the, the shooting of it. Uh, before I get into what I didn't like, this is the kind of film that it feels like me and my brother would have watched. You know what I mean? Like early nineties, yeah. Beyond yeah. Stars. You know, what I mean? like like we. You know, so it's, not to. I, I'm. I want to meet the film at its level, and I know where it's at. And I love yeah. these type of films. You know what I mean? Hell yeah. Uh, so I, I don't want to be completely like a, a dickish grade. Like you know, I'll, I'll put on Deep Blue no, Sea. That's why. That's why I picked times. it. Like, just, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> it's a fun so movie to yeah. talk about. Like and, and right. like you know, it, it's. It, it, it's not fucking boring. It's that's the right. worst thing that you could Absolutely. say about a movie. Is that, mm. and this movie yeah. is never boring by any right, means. Right, it's right. silly. It's goofy. I'm laughing strong at the agree. movie as much yes. as I'm being like, hell yeah, that was a cool choice. Yeah, but, strong agree. Uh, it, it yeah, it's never boring. But yes, but so all of those caveats said. Yeah, that being said, it, it I feel like with the, some um, yeah. So I don't mean some specifics. So I feel like how every um. Um, how every exposition scene is uh, is handled is really weak for me in this film, and that that when you're dealing with um, this elevated uh, conceit to begin with, how you're conveying this information to an audience is important, but just not walking and talking in a subway shouldn't be how we get that across. So the entirety of the subway walk and talk sequence is really rough. I, I feel like. Um, and, and this is the sequence after they've blown up. Like she has, and that was another thing. How sloppily yeah. the grenade is planted. You know, just oh, this is, oh, sorry, all my stuff is just out here. <laughs> so I just got a grenade. <laughs> like it's just oh god. <laughs> so uh, how that like the stark blandness of the exposition. Um, when you compare this sequence to the sequence of Lawrence Fishburne and, and the Alice in Wonderland chair sequence, mm. where characters aren't even moving, that's where you start to see the difference of of of. Uh, there's there's levels to this shit. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah that's yeah. where you start to see yeah. the difference of the, like these are some real and, and and granted they're they're taking a lot from mnemonic. I'm not saying that, but then it's like how they ele- you know you're, you're oh, seeing yeah. Clyde Drexler, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, and then yeah, you're yeah. seeing Michael come into the league, and you're like, okay, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that's that's some completely different. You know, I can't. Hey, so um, him him making an art of just sitting in a chair. It's, you know what I mean? With, with, with the, and him like just leaning, like I love the moment when he like, uh, Lawrence Fishburne leans forward in the chair to present the pills and then uh, like Neo kind of like jumps back a little bit or he leans back in his chair as he does it. It's just, there's so many um, brilliant little moments of, of conveying exposition to an audience that mm-hmm. are handled in that film stronger than they're handled in this one. So after that whole exciting, you know, uh, um, upload in a row, upload interrupted sequence and, and him you know um uh, i forget what the guy with the bodyguard's name is but you know him meeting his connect and them having a fight rudy, uh, rudy? that's the other thing tell how to fire both of them if if, if i'm paying you all ralphie, this money ralphie <laughs> ralphie if i'm paying you all this money if some girl drops with the roots off and you pull out a swish blade i swear to god if we survive this pack your shit <laughs> what what was that i didn't understand i mean he's, I didn't understand. he had a very Why? specific you don't have a gun? This niche in <laughs> what what's he, wrong with you <laughs> you know how small of a market there is for bodyguards that are also like eight foot tall amazonian women within like full fucking drag makeup like you know like it's a there's not a lot of people answering that job listing is all i'm saying you yeah, take two. what you get <laughs> two, two answered it uh yeah so that was weird but I, yeah, so it, except just, those three people the three people we said 
There was two <laughs> slots, and we met the three girls that posted the, answered the job call. That was that subplot. Was the third girl being like, "Hey, what the fuck?" <laughs> uh, so all that all that's to say is, um, how you're conveying your world to your audience is is important because. To an extent, we do understand that he's carrying something in his head, and that's communicated, I, I think, very effectively. We see how much, how many gigs are left. Um, he doubles that with a, a with a doubler or something of that sort. Yeah, we yeah. kind of get the idea that something's being implanted in his head with a cross-cutting anime, and that it's painful, and that it's too much. Uh, but there are then certain other little elements that need to uh, kind of get across in him. You know, his backstory, uh, where she was from and how she knows the low techs and all that just being handled in that subway sequence. I, I, my mind just shuts off and it, it just was un- unengaging. So, um, I, I again, just to reiterate the point, the Wachowskis, I feel like, have more of a deaf hand, you know, composition and pacing yeah. and execution and implementing yeah. some of these worlds. Uh, the other thing that I think is is important to note, and you brought up their VR take on entering into the computer world. It's just more engaging when you have a human being enter that world. And so the Wachowski is taking Neo and actually implanting him in the construct. And you have you have interesting, like, I fucking love, like, what that means. Like, like taking someone out of a computer, and if you're going to play that out to its logical conclusion, what that means, and certain little things that you don't think about. So there's a scene of Neo laying on the table. Uh, Neo laying on the table, excuse me, and uh, he's you know why do my eyes hurt? And more he's like you never used them before, and you like you just don't think about shit like yeah, that. Yeah. You know what I mean? that it is so fucking interesting. Or him in the construct with the fighting, um, the kung fu scene. Uh, Morpheus is fighting Neo, and everyone hops over the table. And the um, you think that's air you're breathing now as Neo's struggling on the floor, and then he just doesn't say anything again. You know what I mean? Like like shit like that. You're just like those are the interesting things I want to think about inside of the computer realm and you only get that if you're i i know they're limited they were limited at this maybe even not maybe you could have done that in um well if, in 95 like like these, this like is just what the computer can, world looks like you could have done it but you can't subvert it until you establish it and i think that this is the exactly. movie that establishes Perfect. it yeah that in, you're in absolutely right. For, i'm wrong in that yeah, yeah they had to see like longo had to walk across so the fucking wachowskis could run yeah and that, like, uh, yeah, yeah so totally, you're, totally. that's absolutely fair absolutely fair so if you are the compare and contrast being it's 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 interesting and i think in 95 seeing what that vr layout looks like and going through these worlds and seeing um trying to establish that that may have been that may have been enough for that audience in that first sequence at that time. Like, wow, this is really cool. Yeah. It suffers later on in the film where he, um, where we meet, you know, the other hacker, and, and they're being chased by the accused, and he's like, I, I could crash you right now, and yeah. Yeah, I'm just a little less in getting. Um, you know, I'll talk about the end uh, when we get there, but that that's kind of where I'm having a little bit of issue. So I went long there. Apologies, McGee. Uh, on your first viewing, uh, what's something that annoyed bother you that you've come to forgive? You know the uh, the the ghost. Ghost in the Machine or go- Ghost X the Machina. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I I I didn't. I, every time I've watched this movie, I am like, oh, they actually set that up earlier. Like, uh, you know, the first time you see it, it kind of comes out of nowhere. And then the second time you see it, you're like, oh, okay, there's a couple hints of it. And then on the most recent time I saw it, I was like, oh, there's actually even a couple hints earlier than I remembered the first time uh, where like the, the, and you mean the, the founder, right? The founder the person yeah, that created the, the, like her the backstory and all that. Gotcha. gotcha you know, right. And, and there's, there's, yeah. And that, that's another thing that's like, 
having these like kind of AI people and AI mm-hmm. rights and personal assistants is a whole uh, just layer of the world building that gets tossed into the background that I think was a a, a bigger part in other drafts of the script that uh, ended mm-hmm. up getting pared down. Um, and it, it was one of those things that I kind of initially was like, man, you should have just cut that entirely. It's kind of annoying. Um, but I, I've softened on it a little bit, um, especially the uh, ending where she's like, they're like deleting her from the server as she's talking to Johnny at the ending. Mm-hmm. Did you catch that? I did. Um, I felt like that was a little bit of a 2001 homage with uh, with Hal okay. getting unplugged uh, Daisy, in the end. Daisy. Yeah, because okay. she's like she's literally saying like. They're you know they're removing things and you know they're like burning she, me she, out of the mainframe. Yeah, and she's describing the way that her like memories are changing a little bit, like right at the end. Uh, I, I can't oh, I didn't ex- catch that. I can't remember exactly what the line is, but she says something about how it's like the company has forgotten for me. Now they erase me, burn me out of the mainframes. One memory after another. How very kind. That was something I caught on the rewatch where I was like, oh, that's mm-hmm. like a little kind of 2001 nod that maybe okay. makes me uh, not hate that like <laughs> that, that subplot yeah, yeah. as much. As much. <laughs> Let's take this film into the Grover Cleveland's presidential time machine. Sean, does this film work in every decade? It would it be interesting to toss this a uh, few decades past, few few decades uh Decades in the future, what do you got? We 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 hinted at it already, kind of what I was going to talk about in this part. But like, this is one of the it's like the the trendsetter, and so it's hard to imagine it in other time periods, or you know, like making this movie in the modern day or or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, because so many so many of the stories in this genre that get told either reference like other William Gibson stories or other stories that were influenced by, uh, you know, his, his mm-hmm. work. And so this movie kind of gets rolled into all that, even as like mm-hmm. weirdly, uh, kind of subpar as it can be. Uh, so it, yeah, it's, it's interesting to think like if they hadn't made this movie, uh when when does this visual language get put in place like who's the one that gets their their hand on the ball first and and how does that ripple into the future like yeah i, I think there's there's an interesting uh a multiverse out there uh where this movie got made in different times or in different places i feel like to an extent cuz we're always borrowing from our eastern brothers and sisters uh, you know, from their aesthetic palette or, or films and TV. So Akira comes out in 88 and that that's another, I feel like, mm. you know, cyber punk mm-hmm. kind of aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like somebody, and, and then that you know, obviously a big draw for a lot of filmmakers and uh, uh, Gibson himself. And, and I'm assuming definitely the Wachowskis themselves, you know, pulling from different animes, uh, those um, mid to late 80 animes that, that kind of um, covered a lot of this, uh, not covered a lot of it, but established some of these um 
some of these palettes. Do you know what I mean? So I, I feel like you could have had somebody. Um, so Gibson, Gibson wrote this original, sto- the short story this is based on is from 81, 81. right? So this, right, is, yeah, this is predating a lot of that. Like he is literally the guy that they are. Uh, referencing a lot see, of this uh, stuff, it's not even worth uh, looking. But yeah, perhaps you're right. I, I, I'm not. I, I want to I mean, like, say like Philip they're K. definitely in, like you know, like that. That you know, like. Well, you're talking. You're talking even way. That's way way earlier. That, but that's K. what K. I'm saying. Like that's that's like who you have to go to to look at the the people that like are like you know predating Gibson. Ooh, uh, I, I I'm not as um I'm not as uh, I'm not as well versed in 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 uh, the history of cyberpunk. But but I I do know I've seen certain animes that that have uh, the, like those mid I'm not and when I say mid could be eighty two could be you know uh, mm-hmm. going to so I have no idea Akira is the one that sprung to mind but um, irregardless I, there, I I feel like you would have somebody kind of gets there maybe we don't get there in the mid nineties and, and we certainly don't get the uh, the classic that was born out of this so um, yeah, perhaps yeah. you're right a a priest a Buddhist and a rabbi are talking about this film how do they judge our main character McGee. I I love the room service monologue. I know we're gonna we'll we'll probably talk about that a little bit more in the Keanu performance, but just from like a, a like moral, I I mean obviously like Henry Rollins ranting about technology and the and you know there's like that that kind of moral backbone of the, of the the movie that I'm honestly less interested in because it's just very 90s, um, but the, the the room service monologue I think would be so much more interesting coming from a character that was more evil or at least more of an anti-hero like had more of an arc uh okay like if if it was more about the like banality of evil cuz it's a really interesting monologue coming from like a henchman in a shit like you know like a like proud nazi soldier but like a but like a grunt you know like it it, uh, it is just the like it, it it's like a fucking day trader but like a wannabe mm. day trader you know like like who okay. who are the guys that are just like hungry to go to business school or something you know like mm. you know like mm. who, who the fuck's going right. to like harvard mba programs right now it's like Dudes who would like unironically give this monologue, uh, you know, and I think that there's something more interesting there that maybe because this is the '90s and 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 the studio had their fingers in it that they didn't want the protagonist to be, you know, that unredeemable of a shit heel. But I think mm. like there's there's a core of a more interesting movie. Uh, in there and that's part mm-hmm. of it where I think it would be much more interesting if like Johnny was more obvious up until this point just an absolute piece of fucking garbage that ends up getting like roped into this higher thing and you know and then it can be a little bit more interesting about the like is he going to go along with it are they going to sacrifice him against his will like you you could do something more interesting yeah, I, I feel and like dramatic there than than the like kind of messiah my, bullshit that that we we end up getting here oh i don't think it's uh, i'm not sure if i got the messiah like the messiah conceit is, is real real clear in matrix I'm, I'm not sure if that's what i to me it, it almost felt like the lack of character in this one like it is it it's really really one note to me um the it, 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 one note in muddle there, there didn't seem to be a lot of 
Yeah. Uh, so uh, I, I didn't even understand. Like it, it points, it seemed like he wanted to, uh, you know, re- retrieve his, his core memories as, as a kid. And it, it, other times he didn't. And the, yeah. his whole motivation for it was, was very strange. Um, I will agree that this there is an element of this speech that I, too, really, really like. I'll talk about it when we get into our multiverse Couch and Couch of Madness, one of our world famous segments coming up a little later. But I, I just don't feel like there's a lot of character. And uh, like I said, we'll we'll, we'll um, there's not a lot of character. It, yeah. it's not I, a very a, I think there's character. a more interesting version of this movie that didn't get made. I, I totally agree with your point. And I think that you 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 really dialed in with what I think is wrong here when you got when you said muddled because I I feel like the story that that Longo and Gibson were trying to tell was about somebody that is more of a, a just a grunt in a evil machine who's like somebody ends up trying to use for good and that's his conflict in the story is you know he's not really willing to sacrifice himself and you know that could be interesting mm, I and, like I, now i kind of see you know what i'm you know what i'm saying and yeah, then i yeah. i feel like this once the studio got their hands on it wants to make it a summer blockbuster do they really want their title character to be a person that no one likes or do they want him to be a like reluctant hero you know, he gets the girl, he saves the day. I, you know what I mean? Like, those feel like studio notes uh, the, the, where it's like you give him a big, scary, muscly guy to fight. You give him a girl that he kisses at the end of the movie. Like, rap, bop, bop. Like, this is a 90s movie, baby. We're good to go. Like, they weren't. They didn't want to, like, get into that more interesting thing that I feel like, you know, Longo and Gibson had the DNA in there, uh, maybe, that they were trying to tell. The archetype that sprung to mind when you made uh, when you said that was um, Humphrey Bogart in Casablanca, um, where he the entirety of his character is, uh, you know, I, I don't stick my neck out for anybody, and and he has papers that can get him in. Uh, sorry, that can exactly get, um, uh, his ex. It wasn't even his wife, but his it, ex fling and his, mm-hmm. and her and her husband out of the city, but um, his whole his entire arc in that in in, in that film is. I, you know, I, I'm not going to stick my neck out. I'm only, uh, you know, I'm a, um, you know, in, in the same uh, way that you were Keanu's, imagining. Keanu's uh, quote from the what, Keanu's quote from what that monologue is: "All my life, I've been careful to look out for number one." Like that could yes. li- that could literally yeah. be literally yeah be in in uh, in Casablanca, and uh, how he then at the end of the movie sticks his his neck out and and uh, you know so I, I see what you're saying in that arc and I, and I feel like uh, that would have been had you kind of communicated and that that's the thing there there didn't there wasn't necessarily a a struggle with um you know okay I'll take more it's like he voluntarily wanted to take more you know like or I only have uh, like 160 gigs and they're like oh, oh well, here's it, 300 and there's never a bad oh yeah sure I can take it and and yeah. you know you know there's brain seepage you could have mined that moment for you know I'm a company man you have this amount and they're trying to plead with him hey this is more important to kind of get that across a little bit yeah that, that this I agree is, you know, there, there's, there's, a, there's, there's not, a line in the beginning where he's uh 
he's desperate to do the job because he needs the money to get his memories back that they took when yeah. they put the implant in. Absolutely remember. But as we establish, that doesn't that's not consistent throughout the film. Uh, yeah. So if we were rewriting it to be the Humphrey Bogart archetype, I would want more of the I'm only doing 160, like that that that's what we have. And I the totally company agree. trying to plead him like to stick out his neck a little bit. It's like it's all it's all over the place. It, it, it's too his character's too muddled. But uh yeah, let's let's throw it to a break. Got a lot of fingers, a lot of pies. I'll get you a hot drink, man. Hi, Sean here. This is an ad break. Or rather, it would be if we had advertisers. Personally, I worked in advertising for almost a decade, and I'm in no rush to sell dick pills or subscription boxes. But if you want to support our fledgling podcast, there are better ways to support us at the moment. Follow us on your podcast service of choice. Leave us a nice review. Find us on social media at Make Me Watch Podcast. You know how this goes. At this point, though, in my opinion, the most important thing that you could do to help us out is to send an episode to a friend that you think might like it. Maybe send it to someone that you want an excuse to talk to more. Help us turn this into a little community. Give us feedback, you know. And if you really want to send us money, we do have a Patreon. All right, let's get back to the episode. All right, coming back to the multiversal casting couch of madness. Uh, is there a performance in this movie that works in every universe? Or is there uh, somebody else that you would like to see in a, a particular role? What you got? So in the research for this film, I, I, I don't think that there is a perf- anybody and everybody could get recast, in my opinion, in this I, film. And I'm going to start with oh, Johnny. Man. Because I feel, uh, I, during the research of this film, I, I think uh, Longo and Gibson were... Um, we're considering Val Kilmer for this role. Mm. Uh, he was attached for a time. Um, I could see a young Val. I could see a young Val. This is this is. Um, I'm not sure if mid nineties Val. This is like post Top Gun where's, Val. Where's Tomb? No, 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 not uh, not Top Gun wasn't the one I was thinking about. Where? So Tombstone's ninety three, right? Um, incredible. Like, yeah. Oh fuck. Yeah. Love Tombstone. In, in, yeah. <laughs> incredible performance um, as uh, as Doc Holliday there. So. I, I I think obviously there, there's a different caliber of actor uh, with Val, and I I think some of the more from what was established, even if you plug him into the exact same movie, some of the conflict of him uh, with the memories and in his background, I feel like would have been handled a little stronger. I think I would have liked the scene with yeah. him and the uh, uh, sex worker in the beginning of the film. Um, what is it? Where's home for you, Johnny? <laughs> he's like, I don't remember. Or uh, what? What it matter? Whatever like, the line oh, he's, is. Whatever. He's like, would it surprise you if I said I don't remember? And she's like, no. Sup, yeah. <laughs> just no, no. I don't Not really. Care. Just trying to pull up my shoes but, and get the yeah. fuck out of here. <laughs> so uh, I would start with Johnny, I, and I think Val is probably a stronger choice here. I would have mm. brought more of the noirish vibe with Val a little mm. bit. You know what I mean? Like, okay, I, I definitely, okay. Feel that I feel like uh, there is a part, but I think I think Keanu, Keanu plays the fits punk. more in a yeah. He plays the punk so Keanu's well. in a he's, more he's got punk, the angry, yeah. especially yeah. in the the. He but, plays, but Val has anger too. Val's angry, but like, the, like the, fucking, the, uh, the the like indignant like confusion anger. I, I don't know. I I can't imagine. I can see like Val with the fucking dolphin. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think Who's works. The villain? You know what I mean. Batman like, Returns was was uh, was who? 
Oh, oh with Val? Uh, Val had... Because he's been in some, some silly shit before. Like, he's, he's done Oh, yeah, best. for sure. He's <laughs> done some I mean? silly shit. I mean, and he, but that's the thing. When he does heightened stuff, he's like... Kind of goo. I mean, he he's in like what's the what's the like really broad one that you've definitely not seen? Um, <laughs> Which one? Oh, Real Geniuses. Yes. Or Real Genius. Yes. Have you seen okay. Real Genius? I have it. I've, uh, I've 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 obviously seen this poster <laughs> with him on the desk and whatnot, but I've not yet. You at will, this point you will hate that movie because it is just like the goofiest fucking gags. <laughs> Like, I love that we've gotten to the, the, this point. Of the, I just know he, he's not going to like this. No, he's you're absolutely <laughs> going to hate that movie. Uh, that makes me laugh. <laughs> if I if I make you watch that movie, if I ever pick that for the podcast, it is purely spite. Uh, <laughs> it's because it's you, it's when you pick something that I just fucking like suffer through. I want to pick that movie in retaliation. Just so you know. I want that to be lore in this podcast. <laughs> we know when that shit comes up. I'm completely done. It's like the looming up. fucking villain in the background. Just like teenage Val Kilmer. Just like, I'm coming. <laughs> That's so perfect. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, so to an extent, I agree. I think you you are like the punk aesthetic of... Keanu is more in in yeah. vain, but there is the noir thing that I think he was leaning to feels more Kilmer. Is, can you but like Val Kilmer is not gonna do, give me the delivery of is that a fish? Like <laughs> <laughs> that's true, and I like that delivery. That's true. That is true. It's I do like so that. good, and he's he's so just like fucking like exasperated and pissed and like just like not on board with anything like it, it is just like dragging a toddler along he's so fucking i love him uh i i well since we're oh, I, sorry, I, oh but i do want to talk about the fucking keanu of it all just for a moment because i yeah it, please yes he, absolutely. Is, he is my pick that i think that he is essential to the dna of this movie i think in every universe okay. he is johnny mnemonic it, it, earlier when you were talking about him as a collaborator one of the things that um, we're going to get into when I talk about my shot um, mm-hmm. th- that I, I know we're going to get into specifically, but like... I love um, that you're bringing this up, too. <laughs> hmm? I love that you're bringing this up, too. This is perfect. Uh, so, uh, like, Keanu s- talked about, like, working on, like, the angular, the angles and the, the shapes. shapes and everything. Yeah. And... How, you know, if you listen, you listen to him talk about that. He never really gets into mm-hmm. the explanation of like what that means. But mm-hmm. Robert Longo is a visual artist, like outside. You know, this is his first mm-hmm. directorial yeah. debut, but he's yeah, he works in sculpture. He works in 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 like figure study and stuff. So he like literally mm-hmm. like knows like human figures, human shapes is like mm-hmm. the medium of you know his visual art. You know, mm-hmm. before. Uh, you know, the, he got into the filmmaking and made this movie with Keanu. So Keanu is going into that knowing that. And so he's choosing, not only is he, you know, trying to make interesting shapes with his body. Uh, and, and so he's collaborating with where Longo's putting the camera. And, and just to clarify, this is the scene of him in the bathroom as he's trying to collect himself. Uh, and, and he's um, he's attempting to do a yoga type meditation or yo- yoga yeah i wasn't i wasn't talking so. about specifics yet i guess we're going to talk we're going to talk about the specific shot later uh mm-hmm. in the segment but uh 
I, I I just mean like his his motivation as he's thinking through the character, like you know, obviously he's thinking about forming interesting shapes with the character, but he's also doing it in a way where he's like doing it because he's overloaded. It's like you can see in the first scene, the couple scenes, like as he approaches the elevator, his like body language is much more normal and relaxed and human. And it's only like when he has all of this data inside his brain that he starts walking with like his like weird limbs and like making all these weird hand gestures while he talks. Uh, and so it, it it's like he's using the reality of the character being overloaded with this data and like having this like, uh, what do they call it? Seepage. Uh, brain seepage. Yeah. So he's got this like neural seepage, like poisoning his brain. And so he's like literally like choosing to have that like influence how he like uses his limbs and his hands while he talks through his performance, which is like just like the weird commitment to the bit that we were talking about that it's like, I, 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 just, I don't like, feel like, yeah, I, I don't just feel like that was consistent throughout the entire film. Like there is definitely a moment after he, that happens and he's struggling to get to the bathroom that it's, it's, it's certainly most prominent mm-hmm. after that moment. I don't feel like that he can, he continues that in his performance, but I, 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 I think I, in that yeah, moment, he's like, his whole, like, I don't know. His limbs are just fucking weird. This whole movie, I don't know, as mm-hmm. he walks, but, but I told, I'm totally, absolutely there. And like I said, I'm so happy you brought that up. Cause that was another thing. Uh, in the BTS of this film in the Apple edition if you guys get it there's a conversation with, with Gibson and Longo and, and uh, Reeves and he talks about and that was what prompted me to say that earlier in the top three about having a willing collaborator like Sean mentioned him creating him thinking in the bathroom what this character's doing to still himself and what I took from the shape or why he would have been motivated to create shapes is he's creating something um creating shapes that may not that are more akin to technology than they would be to a, a more natural world and creating mm-hmm. those and having the forethought to do something of that nature in this moment is is why I think you cast a Keanu and it, what's yeah. um you know given him the kind of career lifespan that he's had is his willingness to to dive into some of these things and and and, and come out with something really interesting the, so yeah, i just want to say what you were saying the guy who does the voice I, I think his like name is like sam wit something he does like a voice at voice acting sam for a bunch Whit-Wiki. of star wars is that wait or no Witwicky is no. the fuck that, that's, <laughs> that's the a that's, that's a fucking transformers <laughs> motherfucker um <laughs> who's the darth maul voice actor I thought that was he was an actual, not just the voice actor. Wasn't he the actual actor? The, Ray Park is the guy f- that did the movies, uh, with like the stunts and stuff. Sam Witwer oh. does is the voice actor for like the Clone Wars or whatever. But he oh. he tells a story about um, he was like auditioning for the Force Unleashed. Did you ever play that game? Never. Um, but it, it's it's like ed- he plays like an edgy fucking Jedi or whatever. Uh, oh, is this the Dark Vader protege one? Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Okay, I, I didn't play it myself, but I did. I had a, either a cousin or somebody that I've seen. I've seen the game. Yeah. Okay, I'm so familiar. he he tells a story about how he's auditioning for that role uh, in that mm-hmm. game, and okay. it's like the he's like meditating, and he said he was like meditating, like really tense and forceful, mm-hmm. and they were like, "That's what are you doing? That's not how you meditate." And he was like, "Well, this guy got taught by Vader." Vader's not going to teach him how to relax. Uh, this guy, he, when he when this guy meditates, he's going to try and force the fucking meditation to work. And like, mm. I I feel like that's okay. the kind of energy that Keanu. I mean that's that's that's, mm-hmm. that's like the brilliance that like got him the part and why he's like you know whatever. But like, I feel like that's also like the kind of thing that Keanu brings to this role and like the weird choices that he makes and the stuff that like mm-hmm. 
got kind of memed out of this movie uh, with like, I need a computer. Uh, like just like, uh, you know, is all that weird <laughs> shit. Like, yeah, I-, I feel like he's he's making those choices because he's like thinking through not only like, OK, my brain is overloaded and, and mm-hmm. my like uh, proprioception is off now. Like, mm-hmm. uh, but not only that, but I think also he's familiar with Robert Longo as an artist and and how Robert Longo likes to use the human form in his art and he likes to you know make bodies make weird shapes and so i think he's finding excuses to make weird like visual shapes in his performance too is part of it like not just him you know doing the like tai chi stuff in the bathroom um you know kind of aggressively which i think is like you know a a brilliant choice as an actor but then, like, throughout the movie, the way that he's, like, carrying himself uh, just, like, weirdly, I think he's, like, trying to make interesting photographic compositions for the movie as much as he's also trying to make interesting choices uh, for his character as an actor. And that's just the, like, the kind of shit that uh, you just, like, pray for uh, when you're making a movie. I, I like that your your eyes attuned to that. I, I feel like um, they're... I, I and I, and that's a really generous reading. I wish I had that interpretation. I I don't really feel like uh, he was as is in command with that as as you're suggesting. Um, when I think of actors that completely shift their body language to roll, like Daniel Day Lewis in anything, kind of comes to mind and how mm-hmm. he literally will shift his posture. Uh, Daniel Plainview feels a whole hell of a lot different than the butcher in just how they walk. Um, uh, uh, Joaquin Phoenix is another one, like how yeah. how he'll literally shift his spine to um, present as a different character. It, it doesn't feel like it had that intentionality to me. And my reasons for for saying that are every other role in this film feels like characters are, are um, just turning up the volume and that's how they're expressing um, drama. So everyone's yeah. grabbing everyone's collar and screaming at them and berating them and then just yeah. letting it go and quietly returning back to their work. Like that's Henry Rollins entire fucking beat in this film is Bruh! to be, to be fair. I'm pretty sure that's how Henry Rollins <laughs> possibly, possibly. Uh, but, but it, that, that kind of feels like when they're approaching character, I mean, she, uh, uh, Dina Gray, I'm sorry, Dina Meyer, excuse me, does does that does that a bunch as well? Where it's just I'm gonna scream and then go quiet. Um, yeah. So uh, she's. I would have. Yeah. I, you know, I I don't think that she. I, you know, I I would have loved to see somebody else in her role, even though I don't think know, it's anything yeah. against her. I think I love her in Starship Troopers. Like, you know, she's fucking great in Starship Troopers. You may have to put that on the list. Oh, really? Yeah, that's that one's coming up. That one's coming up because that's a that was one that I I loved it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, she she is great in Starship Troopers, and I think she's a, a more properly used there. Um, but you don't understand that reference yet, but you know, most of our audience will cause they're uh decent human beings who see good movies. No, I'm just, I'm just fucking with you. I have He's no, not, totally mean I have that. no, yeah. put the stand I nowhere on near there. Decent. I have I no, but no, I, uh, I do like, I, I, I am like really uninterested with her in this movie. I, I would love to see somebody yeah, a little bit, I, uh, uh, like more whatever strong agree i love I do the, want to I, I, I think the fucking uh bare nipples on chain mail is a choice man 
when the one scene oh, where she's topless and that she just slips on the chain mail yeah. and I'm like, girl, what we're put gonna... on the pasties or something? <laughs> Fuck. Tell me you got a liner get... in there. <laughs> we're gonna get to because I brought up that specific point, but later when we get into production. <laughs> so I wanna I wanna put a bit, but literally the chain mail, the, 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 the no no bra chain mail thing no I brought up. Chain there. Mail. Oh, <laughs> That's a choice. That is it's a choice. A choice. Uh, I want to piggyback off of something you said earlier though, and it's a line reading of the ten thousand dollars. Now we're gonna disagree on how this monologue was delivered. Um uh to an extent. So I didn't I don't I personally I, it wasn't performed well in my opinion but the moment that I do like and I think is the best and worst of Keanu is in the screaming I want a thousand dollar night hooker into how quiet he gets for I want my shirts laundered like they do in the Imperial Hotel in Tokyo and how he yeah. says that and when he stutters as he says that as he sits down I want room service I want the club sandwich. I want the cold Mexican beer. I want a $10,000 a night hooker. I want my shirts laundered. Like they do at the Imperial Hotel. In Tokyo. Like that to me feels more real than Keanu shouting. And I think part of my issue with Keanu and the when you brought up earlier, like he does anger well, I I, I don't or I, and if I'm mischaracterizing what you say, I apologize. But maybe that's something I, I, I read. Yeah. But um, I don't necessarily feel like Keanu does loud well. I feel like he's much more intimidating when his register is lower in the way that he's handled the John Wick character to where mm-hmm. he's like, oh, I think I'm back or something. You know, he's not yeah. screaming that. Like I, I don't feel like he does loud outbursts you gary uh old man you know uh everyone like that yeah. kind of shit like he's he's not he, he his register needs to be decibels decibels needs to be much more quiet when we deal with mm. when we deal with keanu and in that moment in that line reading i feel like that was his best um line reading of the film and, and i agree since we, we are Although getting i do lines, i do love the the is that a fish but Oh yeah, that, see that, that's the other thing. That's the other line that works so well for me. And I'll tell you, uh, we're getting into. Let's just jump into favorite lines here. And, and if I could start, the other thing that he says, like with you know that I'm a fish, it's very quiet, it's very sardonic, very you know quippy. Uh, when he's breaking into the door, there aren't enough of these classic film noir lines to me. That, that's the other thing you get the uh, like. But when he's breaking in, he's like, I had a, jo- a summer job breaking and entering. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> Love that line. Like that, that's a great noir fucking line. And there's yeah. not the, the I'm a, is that a fish? You know what I mean? Like that's. Yeah. Another great fucking noir line. You know what I mean? Like uh, we needed more of those in this film. So uh, I'm gonna throw it to you, Sean. Oh, my, my, another my favorite, favorite line. line of his, and my favorite line of the whole fucking thing, even more than the first time when he says, "Like, is that a fish or whatever?" When he says, "Have you done this before?" Has the fish? I love because he's yeah. he's already been been corrected that the dolphin is a mammal, <laughs> and he knows. <laughs> Yep. And he just doubles down on yep. the has the fish, and it, yes. yeah, it's just so indignant and so angry. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, it, it, you know, we we talked a little uh, earlier earlier about uh, Bebop, and I know he was attached to play Spike initially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you know, whatever, because it was two thousand eight, mm-hmm. and he was looking at more leading man roles. 
even then I was like, no, if you're going to put him in this movie, like make him vicious. Like he's so much more interesting as vicious as the like, the like quiet. I I mean, I don't even like vicious as a character, but I think, but but, yeah, yeah, he's so much, even in 2008, I was like, put him in this movie as vicious. Do not make him spike. Right. Uh, And, and I like that. dude. Yeah. Now that you got me thinking, <laughs> I really got to get like that's not like you said. Spike isn't my favorite character by far. <laughs> my favorite vicious, character. Sorry, you said you said Spike. Vicious, sorry, it? yeah, yeah uh, Vicious isn't by far, but seeing him in that role, I could, I could kind yeah, of see I, that I with, think, with, with and, and especially yeah. like having a little bit of star power in that role too. Like you could afford. Would you keep the Falcon or not? Like fucking get rid of the bird, right? Oh, <laughs> you gotta get rid of the bird. If you, yeah, keep it. I love. I, I mean, I would make it a crow because I love crows. Or whatever. Isn't it a crow? I thought it was oh, a crow. It, it's sort of like a weird bird to me. Like, I, I, in my mind, I want to say vulture esque, but maybe not. Like, oh, like yeah, where the arms are, like the shoulders are real yeah, high. Oh, that would be kind of cool too. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, just yeah. make it striking, man. Make it make it yeah. visual. Make it cooler than the garbage ass show we got. Uh, I'm gonna say the last, my last line. <laughs> and this is coming from J Bone. This is my absolutely favorite line in the film, where he's looking at a bank of monitors and he goes, "Ah, oh, shit, the yakuza." <laughs> I love Bell. Every single one of his lines he delivers with the exact same cadence, and every single one of them is amazing. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because if you're in the reality of the movie, you don't need to explain. Because we've already been an hour and whatever changed till we got to this point. These characters know who these people are following <laughs> up there. So the fact that he included Yakuza is just brilliant. <laughs> I mean, but I never want to be. I never want to be in a place in life where I'm looking at a bank of monitors and I'm not surprised that the Yakuza are running up there. But I'm just oh, like, oh shit, shit. Yakuza! <laughs> like, like, <laughs> I'm expecting it. <laughs> Oh, awesome delivery! Awesome. Yeah. It's it, that's it. like yeah, it's like getting looking at your phone and seeing a telemarketer. He's like, oh right. shit, shit. Yeah. So monotone, a little monotone. Just like because some people, oh shit, is that the yakuza? Like, nah, 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 the shit, yakuza. bro. <laughs> Jay. I I love Jay Bone. Yeah, I I, yeah, I, I, I honestly would have loved to see maybe someone else in in his role but i do i oh, had is this a, pick up and drop a performance or is this oh no uh, actually so let's let's finish on line read though because we were i have i have one line okay. read. <laughs> i couldn't decide there's two i i henry rollins is absolutely you know awful in this movie for the most part mm-hmm. but uh <laughs> i always oh, yeah. every Don't time i watch this agree. movie when <laughs> when Dol- and like I also hate in the entirety of Dolph Lundgren's character in this movie. Like he's just like hard. You can feel the studio being like put something ex- actiony and they uh, had to create it. Like they they had yeah. to create a whole cloth. You know, it, it's it, like well, this wasn't in my short story or, yeah, or my so screenplay. It's just <laughs> yeah, so it's bad. Like, uh, but <laughs> when, when when he jumps in front of the car and yells "Halt, sinners!" and then Henry Rollins just goes. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> and runs him over. <laughs> uh, ten out of ten. Ten out of ten every time. I every time I've seen uh, just the halt sinners and then the Henry Rollins just yelling fuck <laughs> and running him over. Just like it just pop pop. Just it's so funny. It fucking makes me laugh out loud every time. There's also a, a great Henry Rollins line uh, earlier the in the first. Uh, not the first time you meet him, but uh, in, in his big scene where he he says the 
uh Johnny is is telling him about like oh I need to get this data out of my head like do you do this kind of thing here and he's just like we don't get much of that out here in Newark just Johnny (laughs) I should have concluded that I did like because he 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 says it twice in that conversation just just Johnny Johnny Johnny, he would tell him his last name but him the we we don't get much of that out here in Newark just Johnny (laughs) is so like. What do you oh, say? It's man. a little high class or a little high yeah, profile it's, it's a little, or something little, like that. A little <laughs> higher class than we get around here, whatever the fuck. Yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. funny. I love that line too. Yeah, it was good. Uh, all right, what what performance would you pick up and drop in another movie? Uh, all right, uh, I think all these performances are fine where they're at. <laughs> no need to pick these up and put these anywhere else <laughs> than in 1995 <laughs> in, in in the bargain DVD bin. <laughs> exactly. Uh, let's throw it to a break. Ash, your podcaster of choice at Once Weekly Make Me Watch is right for you. Proven to reduce time spent ambling through streaming services and alleviate dull commutes. Follow along our Shot for Shot segment on your social media platform of choice with links provided in the show notes. Make me watch. You will. Contact us if you observe any of the following reactions upon exposure. An overwhelming desire to suggest a film, a burning need to correct our pronunciation, or excessive pocket change. Special thanks to Nick and Jay Shoot, Mike from Fail in Hollywood, and Adam from Pocket Together. Additional music provided by Kevin McLeod. Full credits in the show notes below. All right, guys, coming back uh, from the break in our Behind the Lens section. So we're going to get into the um, nuts and bolts and the craft of, of filmmaking. We're going to start here with our shot for shots. And me and Sean are just going to trade off some shots that uh, struck us while we watched the film. Watched this film. I want to start here. And it's the shot, the overhead shot we were kind of alluding to a little earlier. This happens 12 to 13 minutes into the film. It's the overhead uh, sink shot of um, how Sean excellently put it, the Tai Chi uh, meditation bit that he's doing to sort of uh, calm himself. Now, I bring this shot up because in the BTS of this film, and if you guys get the Apple edition, there's an excellent conversation, a 20-minute conversation with three of the creators, and uh, Longo specifically brings this shot up as a dispute he had with the studio and and um with his uh, uh what francois wants on set as, as far as, as staging this shot he fought for this as being uh, um a significant <laughs> shot for the visual language of the film and i for one was having a difficult time understanding why because it, it didn't feel like it I, i'm just not sure I, I i just it didn't strike me as a significant as significant shot that i would have fought for it and i'm curious to get your take on it like is there something about yeah. this shot that i'm not seeing or you as a dp and, and you know having seen this film and lived with it for a while what, what was your take on this shot and why it was maybe so important to him i think i mean like i was mentioning earlier like there's the like weird i, I think keanu's trying to make interesting photographs as much as he's trying to have uh the body language like influences his performance here Mm. so i i think him and longo are aware of this like visual language where they want to put the camera in interesting places Mm -hmm. and that is like kind of representative of the disorientation that johnny is feeling with all of this data in his head uh, cause it's like whenever the camera is doing this, like in kind of a weird place is when Johnny is mm-hmm. like kind of, like kind of making weird, uh, gestures and, and like being a little bit overwhelmed with things. And I mean, this mm-hmm. is part of setting up that visual language, uh, for the film. And, and so I, I think that's part of it. I think also, and I don't know if or you, you saw that, that conversation where he mentions that mm-hmm. he wanted, or he had Michael Chapman that wanted to shoot yeah. the movie 
fucking mm-hmm. D- Scorsese's Scorsese's DP. yeah early DP Raging like, Bull oh my god like this can you imagine this movie which happened behind looked, yeah. the lens mm-hmm. would have been so having already shot a black and white movie in the past he maybe would have had the juice at that point to say hey, I have a DP that's and, and I'm, I'm not sure what Francois's background is in terms of uh, it looked like he shot a lot of television but yeah you have it, a prominent, it, you know, black and white film that if you wanted to try to shoot another one. Yeah. And, 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 and I mean, even just having somebody that you can collaborate with on the visual language, like on that level yeah. that you can, mm-hmm. you can trust that like, mm-hmm. even if you don't, it, you're not going to deliver it in black and white. Like you mm-hmm. want it that like high contrasty noir look and like getting yeah. that in a, in as much of a, a color palette as you can. Like you you can mm-hmm. really lean on your DP to, yeah. to set the that style in. Yeah. I haven't I haven't watched it yet. I didn't get time to, but I'm I'm gonna watch. I'm it sure soon. you've seen it still though, like like the high contrast. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. It's really you know a really dark dark Fincher. Uh, I mean that's that's stuff. a that's a good uh, a classic like Fincher's uh, visual yeah, stable. visual yeah. stable. Uh, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I I definitely feel like I can see some um, as you're. It, it feels a bit of you know there's there's similar. We we get used to some of these movements as he's going to later use uh, as he's hacking into a. Um, to the Beijing hotel mainframe, or he's he's jacking into the the internet. I'm not sure exactly what what uh, what happens in that sequence, but yeah. there's some of that same. There's you're communicating the geography of the room because he is going to toss somebody oh, across that, into the yeah, shower. Yeah, exactly. That was um, I was like I was going to actually mention that it was like if there was a better choreographed fight scene in here, I would say it was establishing mm-hmm. the ge- geography of the room. But yeah, yeah, they don't really utilize but, that yeah, very well, just, do they? Uh, yeah, I, I was just. Um, I was just curious to get your takes. I'm, I'm glad you shared there. Uh, I'm going to talk about my first shot, and that's the one that takes place uh, 43 minutes into the film. It's the shot of Sinji in the back of his um, of his car. It's a head and shoulders three uh, three quarter shot, and there's an explosion that happens right outside of his window. Um, I just love like I'm a sucker for this shot. There's a shot very similar to this in Love and uh, uh, Lost in Translation. Um, uh, and, and and that Nolan you know stole very beautifully for Heath Ledger outside the uh, outside of the police car and, and just like his head like doing that as a dog as as they're uh, coming away from the police station. Um, I don't know what it is. It's it, it in in Sophie, in Coppola's version of it. You know, it, it's the city sort of passing over the windshield mm-hmm. and her face as it's reflecting over it. In the Dark Knight version, it, it's Heath Ledger like. You know, just like a fucking animal outside of his car. You know, he talks about himself being a dog chasing cars, and this literally feels like a dog with its head out of the window yeah. as they're uh, leaving the dark night. This one, him, there's something about the heat, the explosion, um, things occurring out of the window, and how that reflects on a character in that moment. Um, mm. There's something very interesting to that for me personally. I just there's a shot that I that I like when when utilized well. So just wanted to talk about that one, Sean. Your uh, your next shot. Oh, that's interesting. All right, uh, my next shot. I I liked the. I picked the beginning of the. Uh, I want my room service monologue. Uh, Keanu's uh, squared up to camera, but he's got his head turned profile, and it's at the beginning in the in this kind of medium shot where you see the the burnt out wreckage of the car <clears throat> in the in the lower right corner of the frame. And then there's some some nice blue smoke coming up from the car that uh, mm-hmm. separates him from the background. Uh, and th- this is just like one of the things I'm talking about, where it's just like I think Keanu in this like this outfit with the the skinny tie and the wide shouldered suit that's like a little bit too big for him. Uh, it, he he just he makes these nice big blocky shapes, and he just carries himself mm-hmm. so awkwardly. 
and the, the it fits this monologue so well where he's just this this frustrated you know foot soldier that's been promised all this bullshit and he's just getting tossed around uh and he just wants to feel special and he's just constantly learning that he's not except for that he actually secretly is uh but yeah so i i think that all of that kind of frumpiness is is wrapped up in in these this like wardrobe choices here too and then it, it combines well with one of the few times that i think this movie uh has a, a lot of depth to it i think it, it suffers from a shallowness of sets a lot of the time where they you can definitely tell they didn't have a lot of budget uh and the sets don't feel like they extend beyond what you see very often i've never heard that turn of phrase before i liked it a lot shallowness of set I mean, yeah like, you know what i mean like it, no it, yeah no tell it, it yeah. i love that I've, I've never i've never i've uh, never found words to describe what you just said yeah. and that, that's exactly the feeling that you get in some of these it's like oh yeah okay, the budget kind of stuff like the shallowness of the set i like that. yeah and so this 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 shot actually is one of the few times that the movie kind of breaks out of that uh restriction and mm-hmm. it's for a really important part of the the movie i think that you have to really nail this mm-hmm. and you have to kind of make him feel small in this moment uh, mm-hmm. and, and I, the, the little subtle technical detail of, of using, cause he's got a black suit on a black night on a starless, mm-hmm. uh, sky. And so mm-hmm. having that little bit of, of blue white smoke, uh, mm-hmm. behind him to give him separation kind of separates him. Yeah. Uh, is also a nice, uh, one of the, the few nice touches that the mid DP maybe added. Uh, but I wanted to bring up his wardrobe. Uh, in this shot too, because this is when when we had brought up earlier uh, in another episode, our D and D episode. Um, this is kind of the shit that I like, and I'm talking about is is, is costumes um, uh, being worn throughout the film. Not worn, like yeah. literally worn, but having uh, evidence of being you know tattered or worn, or, or uh, you know the collar here is is you know really dirty as the film like, it continues. So these are these are details and things like that that I like I like a lot. Yeah, it's like a uh, this visual aesthetic. History. Yes, absolutely. Uh, this visual aesthetic, uh, as well, the um, complete stark black and white suit um, as commentary on what technology, computers, something cold, something stark is used for in, in yeah, the same yeah, visual yeah. Uh, language as uh, is how they dress the agents moving forward. You know, in in, in the Matrix, um, real yeah. stark black and white suits, no color. Um, I mean, it's it's literally yeah. it's a it's a it's a uniform meant to strip you of your identity, right? Like it's yes. uh, yeah, you know, it, it it's yeah. meant to homogenize and and yeah. you know, and and for him, it's it's like also a a, a denotion of like class too, because he's like not he's not like dressing like a punk. He's not like this right. like haphazard uh, collection of you know protection and shit. Like he's wearing a, a suit. He's a professional. Uh, you know, so I like it a lot. Uh, my last shot takes place an hour into the film, <clears throat> uh, maybe an hour or in two minutes somewhere in that ballpark. But it's the uh, Dutch tilt wide of the um, the suspension bridge that's sort of destroyed, and it's the he- where heaven is. You know, they've um, you know they have a hideout in a decrepit bridge that's a, a old suspension bridge. Uh, in Newark. So I just genuinely think the conceit and design of this is really, really cool. I, I'm a little less hot on the interior of this and, and how that was designed. Mm. Uh, just with the, it feels very closed the in. ropes and yeah, it's just, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Like everything's on platforms that are actually, you know what that does? Cause you're on a suspension bridge. 
I, I, I haven't been in too many suspension bridges myself, so I'm not sure what kind of platforms or yeah, um, like what happened to all the asphalt, what the egress like, what is. The fuck yeah, you know, but it's just like it's like hollow inside, yeah. and then they added like these plat these moving platforms. Like, uh, I found I it hate- kind of strange. And then there's like banks of TVs that reach as high as another part of the. So <laughs> I don't know. The, the interior was a little confusing for me, but absolutely the exterior and the idea to call a place heaven. That's just like the hollowed out suspension bridge. Yeah, <laughs> I, just, love, I, I love, love the idea I love of uh, the, idea. the the bridge, uh, like you know, access to the bridge has fallen, and then you're using that as a yeah. feature now. Of like now, right. now it's a stronghold. Uh, right, it's, it's it's really cool. Yeah, and it being so elevated in that way, so you know, really, I really cool. To, thing, I do so. have to nitpick that this shot isn't Dutch though. The horizon is straight. Oh, you're right. So then, how do how do we get this extreme? Ang- it's, is it's, that just a it's wide? It's just a lake, wide angle tilted up. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's but kind the, of the horizons at the bottom of the frame is straight. It's it's subtle. I appreciate but it's the there. correction. Yeah. I appreciate the correction. I, <laughs> thing, yeah, I didn't want to. No, I didn't no, want sir, people yeah, to yeah, come seriously. at us. <laughs> yeah, are you getting angry emails? <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the the bridge itself is at a really odd angle um, that yeah. I guess is supported by the really wide lens. So. Sean, what's the best use of craft of filmmaking in this movie? Uh, your favorite, you know, VFX, techniques, um, behind-the-scenes footnote, uh, sound that's not music. What do you got for us? Yeah. Uh, I mean, th- there's a long circle dolly at 58 minutes when uh, Johnny learns what's in his head that's, like, kind of neat if you want to, you know, okay. it's, just, it's like, whatever. Okay. Uh, but really, I, I my favorite little footnote uh, was um, I there's a... a a, a interview with Ice T talking behind the scenes, where he's talking about his character, and you can you get a little bit of insight into how Longo like directed Ice T and how he got him into the role and into the project. Uh, Ice T is talking, and he he says, uh, "What J Bone does is a cranked up version of what I do today." Uh, he finds a way to take these channels of information and redirect the energy, and so mm-hmm. he, he's. You can tell that uh, that Longo really like talked to him about what J Bone's doing, what his mission is. He talks about how uh, he's like perceived as a bad guy because he's you know trying to tell things that the powers that be don't want to be told. Uh, and he's using their methods against them, and so that's going to make them try to shut him down. And he's like talking about all this backstory stuff that's like absolutely you don't need for the movie at all, and you don't really even want to the movie to elaborate on. But it, it, it's cool to see like why Longo picked Ice T for this role because you you mm-hmm. see like Ice T getting excited talking about the things that he identifies with in the character and the ways that he's mm-hmm. like this is what i'm doing with my music and so it's cool mm-hmm. that people are thinking about this in the future and like yeah it was, it was just a really interesting uh little anecdote there i'll, I'll put a I like that I, I like, i'll drop a little link i like that um i'm curious as, as far as my best use of craft it's more of a question and i'm wondering if every production designer from like 83 to 99 went to the same post-apocalyptic seminar uh, so many of these worlds feel interchangeable to me. Mm. Uh, the Warriors, uh, Hook, Escape from New York, Mad Max, etc. Uh, there's always like these chainmail cutoffs and face paint and, and feathers and dreads. Yeah. It's, 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 it's kind of slightly native and, and ratty and homespun. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I, I'm always like, it always feels. Why was this? Why do we land on this yeah. aesthetic? I, I, I don't know. 
It's it's interesting how when the world has no rules and everything descends into complete anarchy, how many people decide to put on makeup is a very strange <laughs> choice. Uh, like just like weird fucking makeup, but but yeah, I mean, I guess hey, like I don't, I don't know, it's maybe that's true. Maybe that's in our base <laughs> base instincts. Oh, there there was one one little bit that I did want to to highlight that I loved, just the use of sound. Oh, yeah. Uh, the bartender at um, mm-hmm. Ralphie's like Club. Dean Norris a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I loved the it's like super low budget ass thing of just giving him a leather glove with some shit on it and adding <laughs> servo noise sound effects whenever he moved his hand. Did <laughs> it would just go? <laughs> and it was yeah. like, oh, that's a that's a cyber hand. <laughs> it like, I thought it was at a completely pros. It's not the one that Duff Lundgren puts inside of the yeah, the yeah, cryo yeah, freezing chamber, is. isn't it? Yeah. W- w- oh, okay, okay, yeah, because it, it feels. I thought it was a whole prosthetic, not just a glove. Like it looked like it was. Like an entire robot it's got, hand. When, when Dolph Lundgren smashes it, it's got meat and wires like mixed yeah, in. There's like wires right. coming out of the inside of the right. meat, so it's yeah, like yeah. some sort of cyber enhanced prosthetic or whatever. Right. But it, it, they sure. they add in little like servo sound effects whenever he moves it in that first scene, uh, and it's really <laughs> funny, funny because it's like very obviously just his hand in a glove, and it's just going like. <laughs> uh two things really quick i didn't plan on saying these so if you want to cut them feel free but one uh one small one um uh uh dina meyer um jane's fucking grenade i love that when she when she pulls it she has like the troll doll on it <laughs> i don't know if you noticed that yeah but it's like, like that's the pin that she pulled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. and i, I don't know uh, obviously the the troll wasn't in the parlance back then but it, it was just it was funny or whatever yeah. the uh, correlation you can make now and then the fucking um the dolphins headgear tank thing loved all of that loved yeah. how it was designed loved how it looked that whole set at um, the end looked great that that final set piece uh, it's a shame yeah, that, that yeah. the final set piece was as lame as it was because the set was amazing. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, speaking of uh, studio notes, let's let's fix the flaws. What do you what do you got? How do we how do we uh, right some of the wrongs in this movie? So I spoke a little bit about um, the differences between how they were uh, how the exposition scenes were handled in the Matrix versus Johnny Mnemonic. Uh, Johnny Mnemonic. Um, what I want to highlight here. <clears throat> is how some of the hacking scenes were handled and and how they've been handled in different movies mm. because hacking isn't a very cinematic thing to do uh, on screen. It, it, it can be kind of boring, is, is illustrated in my opinion here, uh, to where we're just seeing a lot of... Um, Pixels that are being pushed and put uh, pushed and pulled and, and stretched and, and manipulated and we're flying into it, 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 it. At the end of the movie, it kind of feels really inert. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm not mm-hmm. really sure what's going on or what it means. And uh, we're hearing um, J Bones' uh, voiceover: "You got to hack into your own brain." And that was never something that really was a challenge for him throughout the. I didn't even realize that. I was like, it's like a quote that he said that. I was like, oh yeah, did he say that? And <laughs> what does that mean? Um, it, it, it doesn't mean anything actually it was just you know uh, so it, it it things like this become a problem for me personally uh how you would spice some of this stuff up or how i've seen it spiced up in the past um there's a very um uh 
there's a very pivotal scene to Fincher's social network where they're playing a drinking hacking game and the scene quote unquote scene agitator that's happening in that film is characters are having to hack but they're also having to drink and they're making a game of this and they have to drink on every sound of this and they have to drink when this happens and so people are getting sloppy or drunk as they're having to do this um inherently uncinematic thing we also have another one if you guys have seen a swordfish in which hugh jackman is getting head as he's having to hack into something mm-hmm. and there's always something that's happening on the outskirts of them having to hack i'm not saying that needs to be the thing but watching somebody in the room um for 20 minutes as the yakuza is driving up and, and having jane just say it uh, wasn't it's like it was five it? minutes it's like a five minute scene oh i was being yeah facetious but yeah <laughs> this five minute scene um it's just, it's really, it really slows the pace down and it really gets a nerd. And, and we've seen a better version of that same sequence earlier in the film, just not 10 minutes ago where he's in the mm-hmm. hotel. This one here doesn't feel like it adds anything new to the visual language of hacking or or add anything, add any um, suspense or, or any um, stakes or it, it just, it just feels sort of, it just hangs there for me for five minutes and um I'm not sure even who he's talking. Hey, a friend that owes me a favor, and I, I'm a hacky right now. If you don't just give me this exposition that I need, oh, yeah, so he runs aboard this in this scene. sector. Like, <laughs> yeah, give that? me my next mission so we can. Re- yeah, just I like, love the idea oh, of, okay, of okay. internet having like a locality. Like, uh, you need somebody that like runs a server in this area in order to be able right. to do something instead of it being this like global network of things. Like, uh, it's interesting. I, 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 that was I, a, yeah. I hear what you're saying, and I. I I don't think that you're wrong in any of the criticisms. I, I think you know meeting this movie in the time that it was made to, yeah, like it, it. It's tough to say. Obviously, this movie wasn't well received in the time that it was made, <laughs> so uh, I, I can't really be like, oh well, then people loved it because no, they didn't. Uh, but <laughs> but so like yeah, I, I don't really have a leg to stand on here, but I, I do think that like it it, it it's tough to judge that scene in particular because as somebody who read like uh snow crash and and neuromancer and shit like Mm -hmm. it's cool to see that particular style of of the vision of the future like depicted because it it was a a, you know a very particular uh, style of science fiction uh that hadn't been put into visual language before this movie and so I think people do end up doing it in more interesting ways in the future. Uh, Absolutely. But I don't think the general audience didn't understand how, what the internet was at all in yeah, 95. There was a computer in every home. Yeah. You know, so there's a, a little bit of like technological uh, like language and, and, and uh, ability that like, you you have to expect out of your audience and and you know yeah i i i, I don't whatever it wasn't necessarily interesting but I, I don't think it was uh i think it did the best that it could for the time that it, it was in like you're saying this is all very new and there wasn't the um it, it's hard to judge like what you may have seen and, and how you may have reacted in 95 just saying there, there wasn't you know the um the abundance of iPhones and, and, and televisions, I'm sorry, television, laptops and computers in every home. So we weren't as, you know, um, entrenched with what this means and how it looks and, and having a familiarity with it. So yeah, you're, you're probably, you, you may be absolutely right. I'm just, 
it, it's hard for me to even then like you said i mean the reviews came out they, they are what they were i look at that scene and, and it dies to me on the screen and i'm just like yeah, what else could we be fair. doing here to yeah to uh to liven this up a bit but yeah and, and, um, and i think something that's not new and and something that i think is uh one of the things that i would like to fix about this movie and and we've alluded mm-hmm. to earlier in the conversation is the the memory loss uh yeah, like the memories stuff, that he's yeah. given up bullshit i think that there's yeah. there's something it, it, you if you fix that there's something that you fix so much more of the movie that he, yeah. he either needs to need to get his memories back for a more clear reason or mm-hmm. it be more of a conflict of did I give these memories up because they were bad and do I even mm. want to get them back? Like strong agree. You know absolutely. Yes. I, I think that there there's a lot of interesting things implied for in mm. a moment that don't get explored uh in the movie. And and you know, we we've talked about like Faye uh Valentine, you know, mm-hmm. being you know, I named my fucking dog after uh, like Faye Valentine and being, Cowboy Bebop for you guys. being our yeah. our favorite character in Cowboy Bebop, and like that, mm-hmm. I think that even her storyline has uh you know DNA and, and inspiration here, obviously. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think that if if you fix the the subplot about his memory loss to either be conflict about do I even want these memories back because did I give them up for a reason or maybe even like these memories are bad but i need to avenge like i have some core memory that i need to avenge mm-hmm. so i need to get this back even though i know mm-hmm. that it's bad mm-hmm. uh like you know just some something weird yeah. something 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 Absolutely. uh clutch to make that that core conflict mm-hmm. in johnny a little bit more interesting I'm not even saying Nolan handled it the best way that you could have, but you saw how memory affected Cobb's character in Inception and how he used that to, for the character's motivation throughout the entire Oh, I thought you were going to bring up Memento there. That's funny. When you started that sentence, I was like, oh, yeah, Memento. Uh, with the, like, one. do yeah. I even want these memories? Yeah, Memento's uh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Memento's uh, an absolutely another one. Um, so, yeah, like you just need to make – you like I, I can't say it better than Sean said it. You just needed to make that a bigger point or make that matter at all. <laughs> uh, did this stick the landing, Sean? What do you Ugh. think? I mean, no. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it sucks. It sucks that this the, – the set piece that this movie ends on has such a gorgeous set, and the dolphin is so funny – and yeah, uh really it, you know like that whole thing works so well and then you know it has to devolve into a fight scene with Dolph Lundgren it's just the weakest part of the fucking movie it, it that just that sucks it it really takes the steam out of the movie it's it's like i'm i'm wrapping up i'm i'm cleaning up my snacks i'm uh yeah. you know turning the lights back on like I'm same same with Sean. Like I feel like it was just it was so inert and and I don't even mean I mean he's absolutely right past the Dolph Lundgren part it's the the download the hacking into his own mind these weren't things that were set up or or goals that were established throughout the film so as he's achieving them now with with the ultimate goal of him giving this information to the public very clear but these milestones that he's hitting that we as an audience then are supposed to um gain a sense of accomplishment so you compare that to neo 
uh, coming to the realization that he is the one and hey the oracle said this was going to happen I need to make a choice like I'm going to hack myself back in and how everyone reacts and how crazy that was is you don't ever go after a fight in these worlds you always run from them and Neo kind of clearly explained in the fight in the subway and instead of him running him turning and we know as an audience what that means and so we're we're deriving sort of that that same sense of 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 accomplishment when he he reaches these goals and Mm. at the end getting shot and resurrected and the whole yeah. like we understand what these milestones mean and we as an audience can sort of share in a, a, a gratification when he reaches them at the end not only were we watching a, a, a scene that's not really making a whole lot of sense um maybe more so at that time the milestones that he's hitting in this sequence don't make a whole because we they were never established i didn't realize hacking into his mind was something that he was struggling with or couldn't do or was avoiding it never really yeah. seemed like um like a thing that was important to him so yeah i, I had a difficult time with the last like five ten minutes of, uh, or l- last eight minutes excuse me i'm sorry go ahead you had, you had a thought no you. even even as you're just expressing your your criticism of that and it, it's it's coming into clear like the things that didn't work because i you know i, I totally agree mm-hmm. I, it just didn't the yeah. ending absolutely didn't work for me mm-hmm. i think like in the stuff that i was talking about earlier with you know if you made johnny a little bit more of a reluctant hero where he mm-hmm. he you know doesn't want to be caught up in all this he doesn't want to be this messiah character he's just literally trying to like sell his body for money uh you know <laughs> like literally like that's what he's doing he's giving up a chunk of his brain for money like he's he is no different from a sex worker like he is he's he's sacrificed i mean he's no different from any any worker we all sacrifice our fucking body for a paycheck man like working Jesus. for the weekend yeah we're for real like sex workers work uh uh <laughs> but i i think that yeah there's a version of this movie where i it would be more interesting to me if you're fighting to get to a point where he doesn't have to sacrifice himself and then he that doesn't work and he chooses to sacrifice himself at the end mm. and you have like a more tragic ending where like he's That's been a selfish shitbag this whole time mm-hmm. and he's been desperate to fight and and collaborate and these other people have helped him to try and save mm-hmm. his life and he gets to the point where like ultimately it was all in vain they didn't mm-hmm. it didn't work and he's like well you can still get what you need like here you go and and he makes the noble sacrifice and like that yeah it you know much that then then that would that would maybe stick the landing for me a little bit better i mean that's that's the casablanca ending absolutely like yeah. he i'm gonna make a selfless choice and destroy myself to yeah to let you know so fuck yeah absolutely i mean i think it's obvious but who who has this has this blu-ray on the shelf do you think we uh, I'm, I'm assuming we both have the wachowskis yeah <laughs> i mean yeah uh yeah. they use this film as their pitch tool i believe to I know definitely to Warner's, but I'm assuming uh, pitching it around to, to different oh, people that's as well. Funny. I didn't like, know that. Yeah, this is Johnny Nunomic. Like, try to explain because if you were, to, it, let's say Johnny Nunomic didn't exist, even trying to imagine what they were talking about, of we're going to go inside computers and out of it. You know what I mean? Like they lost will in that way. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, have, I have no idea what the fuck you guys are talking about <laughs> and i'm not even sure if he saw johnny mnemonic at that point right. <laughs> he's just like what the <laughs> all that said has this movie mm. uh justifiably been overlooked justifiably been maligned or uh has it has it earned a place in film history i i feel like 
um, it ha- it has justifiably been maligned, in my opinion. I, I don't I don't think I know that there's a small um, pulp kind of reclamation of this film and, and, and it being sort of a you know a, uh, it has an audience. It, it's definitely trying to get a, a cult status. Um, I think the benefit for me, again, I'll reiterate, is seeing this movie in tandem with The Matrix as is a case study of of where things came from, how to improve upon them as a creative, as a filmmaker, as a writer, if there are things that lessons that you kind of want to take. Uh, I, but, but I don't seeing it in a vacuum and, and having not seen the baby, I, I don't think your time is going to be wasted. I just don't, I, I, I find it to be a very flawed movie. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Love the dolphin. Love the dolphin. <laughs> I, I've never seen any shit like that. The other thing too, like the puppet hand, like where he was I doing lo- the, I, like I a deep had a fake no, puppet I, hand. I never had a note about that. I love that too. I love <laughs> yeah. the talking head ne- going never limp. Never seen that. The, when yeah. he hangs up. When he hangs right. up and the guy just like slouches right. over, it's, like, yeah. it's so <laughs> never good. Never seen so, yeah. yeah, yeah. So th- and, you're but, gonna find really so, interesting so, ideas like that. And like, but there are like literally like that's like your VTubers or whatever. Like that's like a thing now mm-hmm. where you have like, you know, like AI, not mm-hmm. AI, but like you know, virtual fake. Is that it, it's like animated 3D avatars that they use like facial tracking. To oh, then okay. track onto the avatar, so they're right. it's a person like like streaming, you know, whatever Twitch bullshit, but instead right. of streaming as them, they're streaming as this like animated avatar. Uh, but it's like gotcha. totally reminiscent of the way that they did that like meat puppet mm. uh, thing, and and then there's also right. the whole like AI assistant, AI chatbot, like secretary, mm. like yeah, mm. there, there's a lot of like little. Little world building details that I think like flesh out yeah. flesh out uh, the world that and differentiate uh, it between what the Wachowskis created. So it is unique, yeah. and, and I, I do feel like there is uh, something. It is um, if you want. A, 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 what held me back so long from seeing this is is having getting you know getting uh, really deep into film in, in my college years. Um, but this is a this is after already the Matrix trilogy uh, trilogy has ended, so I'm only learning about mnemonic through the yeah. lore of, of yeah. the Wachowskis pitching it. And when I when you hear that, and then you hear uh, the critical reception of it, it you're just kind of like, uh, I don't know, I don't really know if I want to bother. It definitely is something I've I've had in mind, and, and um, I'm, I'm glad that Sean picked it for this week because it's been on my personal list. Of like, oh, maybe one day I'll sit and watch it. You just kind of compare and contrast. But um, this was one of the you know. Uh, if if you wanted to watch the film and have a reason for it, uh, I, I think you're the type of person that's going to get something out of that. Like if you're seeking out other, you know, well, what's the history of cyberpunk and um, how how you yes. know what are some of these reference points? I think that's a very valuable tool to to watch. I I'm not sure I would recommend it to you know friends or family in that way. Oh, just like, I totally just want to throw on mnemonic. Yeah, that, that, that I would, totally it'd be I more totally for like disagree. film students. I, yeah. I absolutely disagree. I think that like yeah. be, because it's so goofy and it's so like the, you know the time like we just, we're talking about like the times when you're laughing at the movie mm-hmm. uh, as much as you're like uh, like nodding along with the movie. Like I, I think that's the kind of shit that like personally like you know like me and my pops like you know like mm-hmm. that that's the kind of shit that we would I would throw oh, on nice. and it's like even if they don't like the things that I like, that we can still laugh mm. about like goofy line reads or goofy right. characters, or, you know, like wild bits and whatever. I, I think mm. that th- this is exactly, it's exactly like you said, like, you know, it's like, like you said, it was one of those movies that you would have thrown on with your brother. Like it's a movie I would throw yeah. on with my dad. Yeah. Like 
it's a it's a bad movie that is just so insanely influential and honestly like every time i watch it i just love it a little bit more um i i i do think the it it's in it's deeply flawed but i i'm absolutely able to forgive the flaws and and see the the parts in it that i love all right so yeah that uh sean uh, would make you watch it and uh i wouldn't you know we just you know difference of opinion so <laughs> uh but a great great film to break down so uh that was our uh breakdown of the film 1995's johnny mnemonic so happy to have watched it and covered it because like i said it has been long gestating as a project i wanted to to, to yeah. revisit or to visit <laughs> and uh a good and, time uh, watching a bad movie hell yeah uh sean you want to see what i'm going to make you watch for next week Coming this February to video stores everywhere. It's uh, at the time of this recording, we're getting into uh, Turkey Day. It's coming up pretty soon, right? So you're going to have family coming over, I'm assuming. You're going to be amongst people you want to spend time with. Uh, maybe one or two of those people aren't somebody that you wish was coming over, Sean. <laughs> so one of those two people is a little bit of a, Melissa, a Maleficent force. So that's, that's kind of the theme of, of this one is uh, <laughs> some people coming over, congregating with family, but maybe one or two of those uh, are, are people you'd rather avoid. So we're going to watch 1990s To Sleep With Anger. I'll give Sean a moment to pull that up. But um, this is a film directed by Charles Burnett. And this is the log line. A charismatic old acquaintance drifts into town, stirring up trouble for a mild-mannered family. This is uh, one of my favorite Danny Glover roles. Um, and a, uh, a, a really under... You know, a, not only a really prominent independent black filmmaker uh, that doesn't get a whole lot of shine, but there's also a Matrix connection in this film. But I'm wondering if Sean's going to spot. So see if you guys can spot it too. That's our film for next week. I want to thank you guys for joining us. Um, see you next week. Catch you soon. Hey, if you made it to the end of our show, you're the real MVP, and we want to thank you. If you want to reach out to us, email us at makemewatchpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on all your socials at makemewatchpodcast. Links are in the show notes. If you rate and review, shout out to you. Thanks. I'm going to tell you a little something. Sean doesn't want you to know there's exclusive content on our Patreon page where you can go to support the show, but you didn't hear that from me. Anyway, artwork by Supply Box, theme song by Soul Spy. Coming soon, folks. Soul Spy.